Well, today's scripture, uh, it's a short one this morning. It's uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Uh, I know in your digital bulletins it says 7 through 9, but we're just going to read 8 through 9. Uh, we're going to read that in the ESV. So if you want to find that in your pew Bibles, or if you brought a uh, Bible app, or uh, if you have your own Bible, uh, we're going to read this together this morning. And so we'll be doing uh, an alternate reading, a responsive reading, which means that I'll read the first verse, and uh, we'll invite you all to respond with the verse after that. And so once you've found the scripture, once you're ready to read, if you could please stand as able. So again, it's Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today's message, uh, we're kind of wrapping up our summer series, which is uh, practical. We're talking about very practical truths, and I wanted to share a practical truth with you this morning. Uh, the, the message is called, You Are What You Eat. But I was actually thinking about it, and um, I was thinking maybe I should amend this a little bit. Not by changing the title, the words, but by putting some punctuation. And so with my... Uh, uh, Excellent, uh, very highly sophisticated uh, graphic skills. I did this. You are what you eat, question mark. Are you? You are what you eat. Um, this morning, I, I wanted to begin <laughs> by sharing a story with you. And I, I share a lot of stories, a lot of sermon illustrations, a lot of stories from my life. And some of them are very personal. You know, some of them, I think, are very heartbreaking. Some I, I can't get through without, like, tearing up. And through all the years of being a pastor, I mean, it's been like 19 years total, youth pastor, being a pastor here at LGM for 15 years, long time, shared a lot of stories. There's one story that probably is the most memorable, the one that stands out most to people. And again, I've shared like heartbreaking stories, serious stories, and this story is really stupid. So I kind of stopped telling the story for a while because it's such a dumb story, <laughs> but it's the story that kind of like sticks in people's mind the most. And uh, uh, also, I've started to question whether or not my conclusion from this story is actually true. And so maybe some of you uh, have heard this story before. Sometimes I just tell it, you know, when I'm just, you know, talking to people, and it just kind of comes out. And so if you have heard the story before, I want you to think about, is this actually true, this story? Well, the the things that happened in it, but the conclusion I'm going to come to. So this is a story about chicken nuggets. (laughs) I told you, it's a stupid story. But when I was in seminary, this is true, uh, when I was in seminary, you know, I didn't have much money, and, uh, you know, like I was a poor student, and so I look forward to this magical week that would happen every year. And it was the week of the McDonald's chicken nugget sale. So uh, they used to have a sale of 20 chicken nuggets for $2.99. That's amazing, brothers and sisters. I don't know about you. That is an amazing deal, right? That's like, what, 15 cents a chicken nugget? It's amazing. Now I think it's like almost like $6. So yeah, <laughs> back then, $2.99 chicken nuggets. 
And when this sale would happen, I kid you not, I would literally eat chicken nuggets every single night, right? That would be my dinner, 20 chicken nuggets, right? And I loved it. It was so great. You know, I never got sick of it. And by the end of this magical week of 20 chicken nuggets every night, there's one night, um, it was like, you know, I, I don't know, after dinner sometime, a couple hours after dinner, it was probably like maybe 10, 11 o'clock. And uh, at my seminary, I was uh, living in, in, it was kind of like a dorm-style apartment, and so it was just like public bathrooms. And I was in the bathroom, and I was doing my business, right, number one. I was just peeing. And one of my really good friends, this guy, Pastor Arnold, he became like uh, uh, one of my really good friends. We were roommates for many years. He happened to be in the bathroom at the same time. And I'm peeing, and all of a sudden, I noticed something that, that kind of, Sort of frightened me a little bit, but it surprised me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Arnold, Arnold, come over here. He's like, what, what, what's going on? And like, like, I was like really urgent about it. I was like, come over here, come over here. Smell my pee. <laughs> because my pee smelled exactly like chicken nuggets. <laughs> I was eating so many chicken nuggets that my pee was becoming like chicken nuggets. It smelled exactly like it. And, and, and my, my friend was like, Oh man, like, why do you want me to come over and smell your pee? And then, but he did come over, cause I don't know, we were young and stupid. And he came over and he was like, Oh my gosh, that's gross! That smells exactly like chicken nuggets! And so this is the conclusion of the story. That, that I, I first shared this in, in a, a message that was called, You Are What You Eat. And what I was saying is that I was slowly becoming a chicken nugget. <laughs> that was my conclusion. That I was eating so many chicken nuggets that my pee was smelling like chicken nuggets. If I kept going after a few weeks, my skin would start getting like, like brown and crispy, but tender on the inside. You know, that was my conclusion is I was eating so many chicken nuggets. I was becoming a chicken nugget. But really, really was I? So, so I, I think that this is, yeah, number one, it's a really stupid story. But number two, I think I probably stopped telling the story because I don't really know if that's true. Am I actually becoming a chicken nugget? I share this story because I would preach a message that was called, you are what you eat. And the, the point was that the things that we consume in this world, sometimes like the things we consume in media, in song, in advertisements, the things that you think about, the things that you look at, all of these things, they start to make us who we are. And so brothers and sisters, I... I the reason why there's a question mark is I want you to actually think through, is that true? It sounds like a good message, right? That the things that you watch, the things you're influenced by, that they make you who you are. But maybe some of you don't believe that. You know, I, so I, I share another stupid story, uh, and this comes from The Simpsons. And um, this is uh, a a uh, episode that's really dumb, and it's about advertisements. Um, but so uh, in this episode of The Simpsons, uh, Homer Simpson gets really excited by um, the day where they unveil new billboards in his town. And whatever billboard, it's usually something to eat. And he like finds out the, the new things that, that he can possibly eat through the billboards, right? So he pulls up his car, uh, you know, in front of a new billboard. And he's like, oh my gosh, like, oh, you know, there's a new burger. He's like, I'm going to eat that burger. Then he goes to the next billboard and then they unveil the next thing. Right? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, yes, sir, I'll eat that right away. And then he goes to the last billboard, and the last billboard is of Clown College. 
right? It's very random. And so he sees the billboard for clown college, and he's like, clown college? He can't eat that. And, and so he says this thing that, that, of course, ends up being kind of the running theme of the episode, or at least the first part of the episode. The second part of the episode is how he enrolls in clown college. But the first part of the episode, he says, clown college? This advertisement had absolutely no effect on me whatsoever, right? And of course, just throughout his day, uh, Homer just starts thinking about clown college. It just comes up like when he's at work, he starts dreaming about clown college, right? He sees an animated version of that advertisement. That's actually the billboard that he sees that you see up there. And, uh, you know, when his, when people are talking to him, instead of hearing their words, he hears, and there's a moment where, um, like, like he sees, like he's kind of like daydreaming at his desk, like this, and then he sees a bunch of clowns roll into his workstation, and they're they're just dancing, they're like like to circus music, and he's like kind of like clapping along, he's like entertained, but you find out that he's actually daydreaming, and what he's actually seeing is his, he's a safety inspector at a nuclear power plant, and he sees some coworkers on fire, and they're like. Ah! But he sees, right? I I know, the the Simpsons is kind of twisted sometimes. But so this gets so bad, he keeps dreaming about clowns that one night he's at dinner and he's eating dinner and and he's got mashed potatoes and he's making circus tents out of the mashed potatoes. And so, um, and then he looks at his family and they're talking to him, but he just sees them and they look like clowns. And they're like, hey, Homer, are you okay? And all of a sudden, he pushes his chair uh, uh, just, you know, away from the table, and he stands up, and he's like, that's it. You all have been holding me down for too long. I'm enrolling in clown college. And he gets up, walks around, walks out of the door, slams the door, and his family is like, I don't think anyone was expecting him to say that, right? <laughs> like, it was just so random. But, so brothers and sisters, I know it's, it's, a, it's a stupid story, but... Is that true? Are we so influenced by advertising that if you saw something on the internet, if you saw something on TV about clown college, would you enroll in clown college? I I know I share this story to talk about how we're influenced by things. But I think that for many of us, we hear a story like this, or you hear the chicken nugget story, and if you really think about it, you're like, yeah, I don't know if that's true. I'm not really influenced by advertising to that extent, right? Like, maybe some other people, Pastor Steve, are, like, really influential. They're just weak-minded. But I'm very strong-minded. I, I, I'm not influenced in my choices, right? Those things don't shape me so much. But this is the thing. The advertising industry tends to disagree with you. <laughs> this is why they spend billions, billions of dollars on advertising to influence your thought, right? Have you ever uh, clicked on a a website? And I don't know about you. Does anyone have like an ad blocker? Uh, I have like an ad blocker because I'm like annoyed by all the advertisements that pop up everywhere, you know? And nowadays what starts to happen is that the websites will direct you to like like a a default thing uh, instead of the actual website when you have an ad blocker. And it'll say something like this. Hey, man, we're trying to pay the bills. Can you disable your ad blocker? It doesn't say that exactly. It's a lot more polite and technical, right? But that's generally the gist. Hey, this is how we're paying for this site, is the advertisements, 
right? Have you ever uh, downloaded an app onto your phone and realized that there's a free version and a paid version? Have you guys ever seen this, right? What is the free version? The free version is not free. You know how you're paying for it? With advertisements, right? You got to watch like a 30-second uh, uh, advertisement about Clash of Clans or something, right? You know, and, and this is actually how you're paying for that thing, right? Or you can pay actual money, pay $5 or $10 or whatever, and get the ad-free version. Either way, you're paying. You're paying with your money or you're paying with your attention, right? And this is what advertisers know, is that if they can get you to pay attention, right, it can influence you. It can influence your decisions. You know, what they say, bless you, is that uh, about like 90% of us are influenced by the things that we see, by the advertisements that we see every day. You know, maybe 10% of us are, just aren't paying attention, right? But it, it's, it's a very huge percentage of us. We are all influenced in some way. And you know who the most influential are as far as advertisers see? Do, do you know who, who is the most influential? Maybe children, but children usually can't pay, right? 18 to 24. You ever hear that? The 18 to 24 demographic, right? That's what they want. And that is probably the, the, the majority of LGM. I know there's some of us who got more seasoned hair, a little more peppered, right? Um, we're, we're all influenced, but 18 to 24, they say it is the most influential age. And it's probably the age when you think you're not. I remember when I was 18 to 24. It was like last year. Just kidding. <laughs> Not that long ago. But, you know, I'd be like, ah, hey, you know, you want to give me free TV? Bunch of suckers, right? That's not going to influence me at all. But the more that I learn is that all of these things do. Everything you see, everything you, you think about, all of these things, they influence you to some degree. But, of course, it is a little more complicated than this. Uh, so, that phrase, you are what you eat, comes from, uh, you know, just the, the idea that what you are eating, if you're eating unhealthy foods, you'll become unhealthy. If you're eating healthy foods, you'll become healthy, right? And uh, that, you know, sometimes people say something like this, you know, whatever you eat goes directly from your lips, directly to your hips. Is that true? Is that true? Have you ever eaten a pork chop and then... The next moment, you know, you, you swallow it, and you're like, oh, good pork chop. Whoa, oh, there's a pork chop on my hip. Of course not, right? Well, I just gained five pounds. Well, maybe you did, but you'll poop it out later, right? It, it doesn't work that way. It's not that immediate. And that's why uh, some of these things are a little more subtle, right? It's a little more insidious than, uh, and, and a little more uh, delicate than just saying, whatever you are eating Whatever you are seeing, whatever you're watching directly influences you. It is influencing you in some way, right? But maybe not directly, and maybe not overnight, and maybe not right away, right? So, you know, actually, because we're living in a culture that so prizes our health and how we look and these kinds of things, and, you know, there's all kinds of diets and stuff, that... A lot of places, they have like very unhealthy food, right, that tastes good. And they're counting on something called cheat day. <laughs> What's cheat day? Cheat day is the idea that if you eat healthy most of the time, every once in a while, you can cheat, right? There's actually a show on, uh, I think it's Food Network or Cooking Channel, that's about cheat day treats. 
And so uh, uh, it's like they go to the most unhealthy restaurants and find the most unhealthy stuff. And they're like, hey, if you're going to cheat, you might as well cheat good, right? <laughs> you might as well have something like really decadent. You know, like they went to some stupid ice cream parlor where they give you like five scoops of ice cream and chocolate fudge and, and you know, caramel. And they, they get a bunch of gummy bears and they sprinkle it on top. And it's like 25 pounds and they call it the ultimate banana split. Because at the bottom is one tiny banana. And you're like, oh, it's healthy, right? <laughs> but anyways, all this is to say that, yes, it is actually true. If you eat healthy most of the time, Right, and you cheat once in a while, you'll probably be healthy. I, 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 anyways, the reason why I'm saying all of this is because sometimes when you hear a message like this, we tend to think that um, you know. You, 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 uh, sometimes we think in very kind of legalistic terms. I remember um, when I was in youth group, uh, there were a lot of people who were like very dramatic. They would take their secular CDs or non-Christian CDs. I know we listened to CDs back then and tapes. And they would take them, and they would burn them, right? they get lighter fluid, and then they get a match, and they're like, no more. No more of the devil's music. Never. The only thing that will hit my ears is Amy Grant and Jars of Clay. And these were Christian groups back then in the 80s and 90s <laughs> that were very popular. I'll only listen to Christian music from now on. You know, and brothers and sisters, I, I don't mean this as a message to be legalistic, but this is a message that's meant to be practical. What are you consuming in your minds? What are you consuming with your eyes? What are you consuming with your ears? And is it making you in some way? Maybe not directly, maybe not overnight, but over time, it is actually shaping you. And, you know, the Bible writers tend to agree with me that this is what is happening. So this is Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. And so this is talking about what was scripture for Joshua, which was the book of the law. Now, the book of the law is technically the first five books of the, the Old Testament, but that was his scripture back then, right? So this book of the law, this scripture shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. This is what, what uh, God is speaking to Joshua. Um, you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success, right? So this is the advice that, that uh, God is giving to Joshua, right? Um, that, uh, uh, and that Joshua is giving to the people before they go into the promised land, right? This idea to take the book of the law and to not let it depart from their mouth, right? Um, so back then, a lot of times, the way that people heard scripture was it was read aloud. They didn't really have Bibles around. And so somebody would speak it. And they would memorize it. And they would speak it to someone else. And then they would take it and they would turn it over in their mind. This is what we call meditate, right? And so they would just kind of soak in the scripture all day long, day and night. You may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. They, they would think about all the intricacies of the scripture. And they would think about it and they would actually do it. Uh, I had a friend of mine who... Um, wanted to, uh, <laughs> uh, he wanted to uh, preach a, a message, and he probably did at some point, 
called Marinating in Christ. And the idea was, it was like the same idea as meditating, but he took a word that meant more to him, which was marinating. He really liked his meat. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I like this idea of marinating in Christ. And I think I was, we were talking about this when we were at an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue place. It's like marinating in Christ, and he's eating karbi, and he's like, oh, so good, right? Why is that, that, that uh, Korean beef rib <laughs> so tasty? Because it's been soaking in that sauce, and the juice just kind of works its way into it. Right? This is the idea of marinating. This is the idea of meditating. That the scripture, the truth of God, starts to become part of who you are. And what Joshua is saying, this part that maybe we kind of overlook. Maybe you look at this and you're like, yeah, yeah, Pastor Steve, that would be nice. If I had a lot of time to think about scripture. If I had a lot of time to, to meditate on scripture. If I had a lot of time to memorize scripture or hear it spoken. You know, that would be nice, Right? But I don't have that time. You know, many of us, we look at this as a command, as a burden on us. Yeah, 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 I should do that. You know, a lot of times people come to church and they're so burdened by the idea of reading scripture. You know, the leaders, we talk to them, hey, how's your walk with Christ? I haven't been reading the Bible. And they're so ashamed by this, you know. But brothers and sisters, I want you to see kind of the way, the spirit in which this is shared. What Joshua is saying through the spirit of God He's saying that if you do this, if you let the scripture in and you just soak in it, it says, then, this is the promise, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. This is the promise. I know sometimes we read scripture and we're like a little kind of like like ashamed to, to sort of proclaim the promises, you know? as if it's like some kind of like carrot that we're dangling. Oh, do this and then God will bless you. I know, you know, prosperity gospel, we're we're trying to get away from that. You know, I understand that, but look at what it says in scripture. It doesn't shy away from that. If you do this, you will be prosperous. Your way will be prosperous. You'll have great success. This is how Joshua lived his life. This is how a lot of the saints in the Bible, they lived their lives. They believed this. It was like Joshua, I don't think, was moping around like, oh, my pastor's going to yell at me if I don't meditate on scripture. My mom is going to meme, is going to spank me. You know, I'm going to feel guilty in church if I don't read scripture. No, he believed if I do this, my life will prosper. My life will be better. I will be successful if I meditate on scripture. Why? Because it's the truth of who we are. It is the truth of who God is. And if I can ingest that, then the truths of God will be the things that I live my life upon. They will be the foundations of my life. And this is the thing. There are a lot of people who are paying good money to be able to speak into your life. That's what advertisements are about. They're trying to tell you the stories that they want you to believe. Hey, you're not beautiful unless you wear these clothes, right? You're not cool unless you do this. Your life won't be fun unless you play this game. Look at all the people playing Nintendo Switch. Ah, everyone's having a good time. Right? Have you ever seen someone play a video game? Have you ever seen them? Like, seriously, 
This is how every single person looks playing a video game. But not in the advertisements. When someone's playing Switch, they're laughing. <laughs> they're like dancing. They're having a good time. I have never, ever seen someone play a video game like that. They're just always like, they're like zombies, right? Their life is drained. Oh, I have to play. They're like a crack addict, right? It's not, it's so enjoyable. But what they're trying to sell you is if you play this, your life is going to be filled with excitement. It's going to be fun. That's the message you hear, right? Christmas rolls around. All your friends have switches. And you're like, Mom, Dad, can I have a switch? 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 Can I have a switch so I can be like this? No! So you can have fun, right? That's what you think. I have a switch, guys, by the way. It's fun. <laughs> But it's not that fun. <laughs> it's not going to make your life categorically better, right? There's not like, you know, Steve, uh, I have to be careful for the, this. I was going to say, you know how like BC is before Christ? I was going to say, okay, BNS, before Nintendo Switch. There's no Steve before Nintendo Switch. Look at Steve before he had a Nintendo Switch. Look at Steve after he had a Nintendo Switch. Ah, my life is so much better. That's what advertisers want you to think. Right? That's what this world is always dangling. You think I'm being dramatic, brothers and sisters, but think about the way you think about your life. You think your life is waiting for you. Many of us do. I do too, many times. If I get X, Y, Z, if I get the carrot, then I will get happiness, excitement, peace, love, whatever the case may be. Right? If I get that dating relationship, if I get that job, if I get that promotion, if I get to travel the world, if I get to go to Europe, if I get to go to Hawaii, right? Brothers and sisters, so many people are, are, are living this, are, are, are chasing this, that there's like studies that are being, uh, uh, that, that are, are coming out now, and there's a lot of like, I've been reading these articles that are trying to urge people, hey guys, can you stop traveling so much? Can you stop traveling? I, I know Instagram, like, like every single person, they have the pictures, beautiful pictures. The water is clear and blue, right? The sand is awesome. And they'll post something like this. You know, it's them smiling with their family. You know, maybe they're knee deep in that blue water. You know, someone's got their leg up like this, you know? And they look tan and good in their swimsuits. And the sun is hitting them perfectly, right? The, the, the wind is blowing their hair just so much, and they say something like this, had an amazing vacation, best vacation I've ever had, right? And then we're all like, oh, I live in Michigan. Michigan sucks. Michigan, the weather's horrible. We don't have oceans. We don't have beaches. I need to live that life. Brothers and sisters, seriously, do you remember your vacation? Maybe a lot of the time you're complaining or it's like, it's too hot. Let's go inside or, you know, like, like maybe there's part of it that, that like, like you take like a hundred pictures and some of the pictures, the hair is in your face. Some of the pictures, it's overcast. Some of the pictures, like your kids are crying and no one's looking at the camera. Look at the camera. We got to be happy. We paid $2,000 for this vacation so I can post on Instagram and show everyone we're so happy. Right? And you get the one picture that looks perfect, right? And that's the picture that makes everyone else jealous. That's the picture that we pay thousands of dollars to have, right? Brothers and sisters, I'm just saying, 
right? Like, like, so a lot of people, we're traveling, we're like using all these resources. I'm not telling you not to travel. I travel too. I like it. But I'm just telling you that we have been told this story. Peace, happiness, success, it's on the other end of something. That's just one of the many messages you're hearing. This is another message you're hearing. Be afraid. It's a very common message you hear, right? Um, Evan Park, who filled in for me the first week of July, he told the story, or it, like it, it was, he was kind of joking, but he said, whenever they show an airplane, like on TV or in the movies, you know something bad is going to happen. They never show an airplane and it's like, oh, they landed safely, right? It's always like something bad is going to happen, right? And so a lot of us, we have images in our brains, right, of car crashes, of, of plane crashes, of all kinds of horrific things happening, terrorists, right? The actual odds of this happening to you are so astoundingly low but we have all these images of these terrible things happening. And so many of us, we get on a plane, and what immediately comes to mind? The images that are in your brain, right? That's what comes to mind, and you're afraid, right? So uh, one of the things that I noticed um, with a lot of my kids when I was in youth group is a lot of them, they really liked horror movies. Like, they loved horror movies. And they would come to church, especially at night, and they would be like, Pastor Steve, it's so scary here at night. And I'm like, wait, wait, why is it scary? They're like, it's just creepy being in church. You know, and we, we were sharing this building when I was a, a youth pastor. We were sharing this building with this older church. And they had like lots of people who had like, you know, I don't know, helped found the church or gave lots of money to the church. And they had all these pictures of old people on the walls of the church. And so they would look around and they're like, some of you guys are like, oh, that is scary. Why is that scary? You're in church. This is what I was trying to tell them. You're in the safest possible place to be. You're in church, right? But they're like, no, Pastor Steve, it's scary. Look at those old people, you know? So, so this is what was happening. Like, like in the early 2000s, and I think they still make movies like this, but they would make lots and lots of movies about like demon possession. And usually there'd be some Catholic priest involved or, you know, they'd be a church, right? Some kind of exorcism was happening, right? And so they were watching lots of movies in churches where freaky things were happening. And so they'd go to church and they would be afraid, right? I know a lot of people, I was the same way. I would watch these movies and, you know, my mom would be like, don't watch the scary movies, they're bad for you, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, mom, like, like, I'm not scared, I'm not scared. So I used to tell my mom this. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Uh, when I was, um, I think, uh, about fifth grade, I watched this movie called Nightmare on Elm Street. You guys know what this is about? It's about this guy, Freddy Krueger, who can kill you in your dreams. And he's got, like, knives on his hands, and he cuts you up in your dreams, right? And I watched this in the fifth grade. All my friends were watching it. They had watched lots of horror movies, and they're like, well, this is not as scary as the other movie I saw. Ah, oh, this is so stupid, right, Steve? This is so stupid. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's stupid. Like I, like, I kid you not, I was like a different person after I watched that movie. I really was a different person, right? Like, like I go to sleep, and then just images will come into my mind, right? So you, you probably heard this saying before, and it's actually true. Have you ever, like, seen something on the internet and you're like, I can't unsee that, right? Like, oh my gosh, you, you close your eyes and you see a picture of that. And you're, this is the way your mind is designed. This is why trauma is so persistent for people. 
because you literally can't unsee things. Whatever you see stays in your mind pretty much forever. This is why we have ratings on movies, right? Because especially younger people are very impressionable. We don't have as many images in our minds, right? And so those images stay with you. I, I know this person who, um, you know, let, they let their kid who's like really young, like watch all these shows on Netflix. They're like really scary. And I'm like, oh, you let your kid watch that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't affect them. They're totally fine, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. Maybe you have the one 10-year-old who's impervious to horror movies. I don't know. Maybe you do. But then later, you know, like, like I hear a conversation with them that every night in the middle of the night, about 4 o'clock in the morning, their daughter slips into their bedrooms like, can I sleep with you guys tonight? Something's not adding up, right? They're like, oh, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect them. But their daughter can't sleep. Their daughter can't sleep right? Brothers and sisters, we like to believe these things don't affect us, but they do. And so this is what I used to tell uh, my youth group kids, and, and I want to tell this to all of you, right? Yes, the thing you're watching is not real, but the fear you're experiencing totally is. The fear is real, right? And brothers and sisters, what are you feeding your nervous system with? What are you feeding your body with? What are you feeding your mind with? And so they've done all these kinds of studies where they can get someone to think about a juicy hamburger, right? Like, like think about it sizzling on a grill, and you see it just starting to perspire a little bit, and you imagine biting into it, and just, you know, it just, the juice starts oozing out. The cheese is perfectly melted on it. And, okay, so, so you do this, and they found that you're, they, they would hook up like uh, uh, sensors to someone's brain, and they could find that um, that uh, like their brain would light up as if they were actually eating a cheeseburger. Exactly the same. It would look exactly the same, right? That you could recall a trauma, right? Something that happened to you years ago. And, and, you know, somebody could get you to remember that thing and remember it in detail. And your brain would light up as if that thing were exactly happening to you again. Right? And so, brothers and sisters, this idea that these things don't affect us is not a big deal. I want to argue that maybe it is. Maybe there is something at stake. Right? So, not to get completely into it, but some of you may know that um, last year I was suffering from panic attacks. Um, I, I had a lot of problems sleeping. There was nights where I literally couldn't fall asleep because I was afraid that if I fell asleep, I'd die, that I would stop breathing. And so my mind, I mean, logically, this made no sense, right? But my mind just kept jolting awake just every few seconds. It was horror, right? It was just one of the worst things that's, that I've gone through, uh, but one of the things that maybe I, I haven't shared this part of the story, but I didn't really have this insight until I was talking to <laughs> that same friend, Arnold, the guy who smelled my chicken nugget pee. Um, I called him because he's very attuned to spiritual warfare. And one of the things he said to me as I was talking to him, he was like, hey, Steve, don't take this the wrong way, but you watch a lot of dark stuff. You always have. Maybe chill out on the dark stuff for a little bit. I've preached this message so many times, right? This isn't news, and it's probably not news to you. 
But I didn't really realize that actually one of the first nights that I was watching, uh, sorry, that, that I, I started having these panic attacks, I couldn't sleep, so I just turned on Netflix. And I, I'm not going to tell you what show I was watching because maybe some of you are like, no, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But it was something that was dark. It, it was, it was you know, a fantasy thing. It wasn't real, right? But part of the story was it involves someone jumping off a building and killing themselves. It's very dark stuff. That was the first night. I'm not saying that directly influenced. I don't know. But one of the things that I do know is that for me, I just realized that I had to start cutting out some of this dark stuff. There are times where I, I kind of tell myself, you know what? It's not affecting me that much. You know, like, like I, I can go back and watch some of these violent movies or whatever, or these, these scary movies, and I'll go watch them. And then... Before you know it, like at night, I'm like having a hard time sleeping. I'm not really thinking about it, but, you know, I, I feel like my breath is weird again. I find myself jolting awake. And so what I started doing, um, especially in that, during that time when I couldn't sleep at all, is I started replacing. Because a lot of times you hear a message like this, and it's like, don't look at dark stuff. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Everyone bye. Right? That's not what it says in Scripture. It doesn't say... Don't look at dark stuff. It says, look at light stuff. It doesn't say meditate on, like, don't meditate on darkness, right? We should know that. It says meditate on the truths of who God is. And so this has become my habit. And and I've shared this before in sermon form when I was talking about uh, what it means. If you want to look back at these messages, I think it's in January or February, where I talk about coming into agreement with the truths of God. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, i got to tell you, my scripture reading, it's not like this sort of like, you know, coming into agreement with the truth of God sounds like I'm doing a lot of mental lifting. You know, like, like I'm reading the scripture and I'm just willing it into my mind. You know, oh, God is good and just, yes, God is good. You know, and, and maybe the, the idea of meditating, it sounds like that. But what I've heard people talk about meditating, it's more like, have you ever seen a, 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 a cow chewing something? Have you ever seen it? Like, like, it takes forever. You know, a cow will take grass and it'll just chew it because grass apparently is really hard to, um, really hard to digest. So the cow will just sit there and just... Hurry up, hurry up, just swallow, right? It just just stays with it over and 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 over. That's meditation, brothers and sisters. That for many of us, we read scripture like it's some kind of contest. Like like you gotta read as much as possible. You know, I'm not saying reading a lot of scripture isn't bad, but Usually the Bible, when it talks about reading scripture, it doesn't say, read all of it. Read as much as you can. It says, meditate on it. Chew on it. Chew on the truth of who God is so that it becomes part of you. So you will digest it, right? So that grass becomes part of the cow. So the truth of God becomes part of who you are. And so... Some of you may know that my scripture of choice during this really dark season of my life was Romans chapter 8. 
And so I would read uh, it, it, the whole chapter. Sometimes I couldn't get through all of it, but I would read different scriptures. And at different seasons, I would get stuck on certain verses. And I would just read that verse over and over and over again. Sometimes I would read Romans 8, chapter 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I would get really stuck on uh, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Sometimes I would get really stuck on chapter, uh, on verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Sometimes I get really stuck on verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Lately, I've been reading a lot of verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, this world is telling you that things are random. You have reasons to be scared, right? You, you should just, you know, be scared all the time and try to anticipate the bad things that happen. And your mind will gladly indulge in that. And you'll be up all night thinking about possible plane crashes or possible diseases you might have. Right? You could be fed on those kinds of thoughts. But for me, the thoughts that I've been trying to chew on, to think about, to ruminate on, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you see the wisdom of Joshua? If you were to meditate on this day and night, you chew on this truth, and it becomes part of you. You believe it. Do you understand how you would have great success in life? You would prosper. You wouldn't be living in fear, right? And so, brothers and sisters, I, again, you know, maybe some parents, like, you're hearing this, and you're like, no more horror movies for my kids, right? You know, or, or like, hey, you know, I got to really cut out some of this stuff. That's not so bad. But I want the message not to be so much about what you cut out, but what are you actually paying attention to? And so some of these truths, again, they're not original ideas. But what we need is we need reminders, Right? Think of the word remind. What does that mean? To remind yourself. What is in your mind is creating your reality, right? Just like how you think about the car crashes so long, and then you start feeling like your life is a car crash, right? You start thinking about trauma. You start thinking about how people cheated you and slighted you, and you start thinking that that's the reality of life. That's what becomes in your mind. That's what your mind fixates on. Brothers and sisters, this message isn't just you are what you eat. You are what you think about. You are what you love. You are what you ruminate on. You are what you meditate on. You are what you dream about. You are what you turn over in your mind. And then there's one more word that we use. We use the word remember. It's kind of like the word dismember, 
What is dismember? When, you know, body parts are taken apart, right? Your body is taken apart. So to remember means that you are being made whole. Your body is being put back together. When you remember the truths of God, you are being remembered. You are becoming whole. Can I get the praise team to come up? And I just want to give us just a moment to just ruminate on these things. Now, I understand for many of us, you may not have a regular scripture practice. I want to encourage you. Maybe first thing in the morning or before you go to bed, you can take the scripture that I talk about, Romans 8. It's, it's, it's a great passage. There might be another passage that you really like. Uh, Psalm 23 is one I recommend often uh, for you to memorize, for you to turn over in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my provider. He's my guider. He's my protector. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Nothing. I lack nothing. Do you believe that? I mean, most of us, the way we live, and definitely what the world is telling you, is not that. Oh, you lack a lot of stuff, Steve. Let me tell you. Let me just get started on all the stuff you lack. And all the stuff you got to chase. And all the stuff you got to hustle for. And all the stuff you need to dream for. All the stuff that you need to give your life for in order to be enough. Instead of, the Lord is your shepherd. He's giving you life. It's right there. You're protected. You don't need to be afraid. You can lay down in those green pastures. You can lay beside those quiet waters. He restores my soul. I'm being remembered as I remember the truths of God. Maybe for some of us, um, you know, you're going to work or you're going to school and you have this time where you're just in the car. There's not much going on, but maybe you're just thinking about the day. You're thinking about your worries. You're thinking about how no one respects you. How your job is unfulfilling. How you're thinking like, man, just another day, man, this sucks. I'm not going anywhere. Maybe instead of thinking that, I don't know, maybe you could turn on a a song that's got scripture. Maybe you could listen to the Bible. Maybe these truths can be sung over you. And you can turn them over in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? take a moment to just soak to just hear this word again he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things giving thanks is a wonderful thing remember the many things that God has blessed you the sun the sky your life your breath your friends your family Remember, be reminded of the truth. God is for you, not against you. You live in a world where God is king. He loves you. He loves you more than you will ever know. You can be safe in God's hands. You can be safe. You don't need to worry. 
let these truths in. Let it guide your life. Let it calm down your nervous system. Let it lead you into peaceful sleep. Thank you, Lord, for these truths about who you are. God, may we chew on them. May we meditate on them. May we soak in them all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray.